2: I'm sorry. What's up guys, Rich Butler here. Thank you for downloading episode three of Toys and Tech of the Trade. Your one-stop shop for toys, talk, and tech with some assembly required. If this is your first time downloading this show, this is an interview series uh, interviewing personalities, content creators, vloggers on the tech that they use to run their businesses, create content, and just make their lives a little easier as well as the toys that bring a smile to their face. And it's not just action figures or statues, or comics, but it could be cars, guns, swords, whatever it is, toys definitely has a universal description here. Um, For those of you that were looking for this episode on Saturday, unfortunately, it was delayed due to the birth of my daughter. Uh, I am now officially a dad, first-time parent, and as such, you know, things are a little chaotic, so we're definitely trying to get back in the swing of things, hence why this episode was delayed. But nonetheless, uh, we're back at it, bi-weekly release schedule as usual, and this week's episode is the first in a series that's going to focus on the talent behind RageWorks. Uh, Obviously, it's not just a one-man show here, and um, the guest for this episode is someone highly requested, especially when we started the written toys and tech of the trade column, And it is my variant issue colleague, the one and only Jimbo Slice. Uh, Jimbo and I have been friends for well over 15 years. Um, You know, we've been highs, lows in the trenches. And he's one of the few people that knows, quote unquote, where the bodies are buried. Uh, This is a different interview than most, given that we're such close friends. Uh, We explored not only the the stuff that Jimbo uses as an entrepreneur to run uh, various different projects and endeavors that he has going on but we also went into just a little bit more about him as an individual what drives him what pushes him to be the best that he can be at everything he does i mean jimbo's one of the few people that i can honestly say if he woke up tomorrow and told me i'm going to run for president not only would i believe it but i definitely think he has a good chance of winning just because the uh, he's that determined and his drive is that intense um I really enjoyed this interview, like I said, not only because we got to sit here and chop it up in a different capacity than how we do on the variant issue, but because we got to kind of peel the layers back, so to speak, and get to know Jimbo uh, a bit more personally as the the masked man of Rageworks, the the man of mystery here. Um, You know, he shares a lot on the variant issue, but this was an episode that really gave us some insight into him as an individual and also... Uh, it's definitely a kick in the ass if you're somebody that's looking to dip your toes into the entrepreneurial pool, and also if you're somebody who's on the fence about fitness and looking to just expand your horizons and get into that particular lifestyle, Jimbo Slice definitely is the man to consult with that. So by all means, please enjoy this episode as Jimbo Slice and I discuss the toys and tech of his trade. All right, you guys asked for it, and we are delivering. Sitting with me in a different capacity for this episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade. Of course, some assembly will be required. The one and only Jimbo Slice.
0: A little weird to be on this side of the fence right now.
2: Jimbo Slice, for those of you that don't know, in addition to being a co-host on the Rageworks Network alongside yours truly with the variant issue, is an accomplished entrepreneur, uh, including personal training And a slew of other things. Plus, obviously, toys and tech of the trade being the name of the game here. He is a huge toy collector. So we're going to definitely dive into that. We're going to dive into some of the tech he uses to run some of his business. And we're going to definitely talk a shitload about toys. So let's get into some of the, some of the nitty gritty. Um, you've been an entrepreneur your whole life from, you know, stuff that you did when you were younger, the sneaker game personal training um where do you get that drive from you know what pushes you
0: that's a good question um that comes from a lot of different sources actually right you know it's funny as you're asking the questions and i'm thinking like a lot of things are entering my mind when you ask that and a lot of people don't know this about me only the people actually that were in that class probably know this about me but i got into a lot of trouble when i was younger a lot of trouble particularly for fighting don't put up with much shit as you already know indeed and i got kind of uh put into a last chance kind of program for high school and i had to take certain courses and one of the classes that i took i forget the name of it but it was a it was a business-minded class and i remember one of the first projects where we had to come up with a business proposal and actual like blueprints for like the structure of a brick and mortar. It had to be a brick and mortar business. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it just so happened at the time. Well, my uncle, he actually was an electrical engineer. He was a lighting lighting designer as well. He actually designed the the electric and the lights for the trade towers, which I have the original blueprints for. He also did Epcot Center. He uh, worked in Saudi Arabia. He got invited from a sheik to work on the palace for six months. Needless to say, I knew drafting, and I knew blueprints, and I was also taking drafting because of my relationship with him. So I constructed a three-floor brick-and-mortar gym. This is back in high school. We're talking at this 16, point, 17? I'm about 16 years old. Wow. This is way before Lifetime Fitness you know, was even probably a thought in somebody's mind. I had designed a parking lot attached to it, pretty much how you see with <laughs> Lifetime Fitness. That's pretty insane. There was definitely no palm trees and, you know, the resort type of shit that they have outside as far as like the poolside, stuff, you know, the way they have it set. But basically, I don't remember exactly how I had it mapped out, but it was three floors. One was like a boxing facility. One was strictly like the free weights and the Norris machines with the cardio. And I forget what the third floor was. I want to say it was um, where you could pretty much get all your meals and shakes and things of that nature. Kind of like a one-stop shop. And then from there, I kind of went to, uh, I got into some more shit. And then I'm getting like into like a lot, a lot of trouble. And I had to be, <laughs> I had to be at a job by a certain time. Like, I, I couldn't, like, like it, when it hit a certain time in high school, I had to, like, leave the campus to go physically work somewhere. And while I was doing that, I got to a point where um, I had to make up some more work hours. So I designed a landscaping company that I work for, that I didn't work for.
2: <laughs> nice.
0: Yeah. It was called Twin Palms Landscaping.
2: Oh, jeez.
0: Yeah. I made up the logo, got business cards and everything. And I kind of concocted the whole thing in my mind. It really didn't exist, but to the school it did. So I've always been interested in just owning and running my own business because nine out of 10 times I don't agree with other people's thoughts. I feel like I don't like to categorize people and put them in compartments, but it just, I have a very analytical mind and I'm very inquisitive, right? A lot of people think that um, I'm a shady person by nature, because if I don't know you, I'm really not going to talk with you, right? But it takes me a while to warm up to people for many reasons, and I want to kind of feel you out. When I say I put people into three compartments, and I kind of talked about this with you before and who we were with before, I feel like those are the people who live inside the box, people who live inside the box generally don't have their own thoughts and feelings, when they speak, they're regurgitating somebody else's thoughts and feelings who they maybe see as higher and above them in some type of mental capacity. Then you have the people who say, think outside the box. You know, that was um, this really dumb guy that I know. He used to say that all the time. You know, you got to think outside the box. And every time he would say that with his arrogance, I would just like look at him and I start laughing. I'm like, what box? I feel that I'm in the category where there's no box. There are no lines. I know there's like that old scene and that old Biggie Smalls rap song, Sky's the Limit, but it's not. The right. universe is infinite. Just exactly infinite. That's the perfect word to use. And that's kind of like how my mind operates. I'm I you know, I don't have like limitations on myself and I have a lot of passion about a lot of different topics. You know, that's why my Instagram account gets so much attention and also why it loses so much. I think we spoke about it you know, on the other show, but I'll just reiterate for this, you know, when you pick a certain niche on social media, so you have a page dedicated to comic books, or you have a page dedicated to, you know, um, f- like, like, like a, a, a quote-unquote foodie or a food blogger, or you have a page dedicated to, to video games, you're going to attract that specific genre of people and that are interested in that specific topic, right? But I literally have... So many different passions and loves, and for me, it just as far as the entrepreneur side and the analytical side of my brain works, I personally can't get into a business that I don't love and have passion for. It doesn't matter how much money is is being made if I'm not enjoying it and I'm not into it. I know somebody else that same idiot that would say, you know, you got to think outside the box, and he always used to would say. You got to fake it till you make it. I don't fake things. I'm either all in or I'm all out. You know, that's just who I am. So, the different stuff that I've been into and the ways I've made money over the years, aside from conventional, you know, nine to five jobs that I've held, it just, I'm not a nine to fiver. I don't think like a nine to fiver. That's just
2: been happening a lot lately. I think that's the big motivator for many people. That nine to five mentality, man, is going out
0: the, the window. Well, well, when I say nine to five, I don't mean that in a literal sense. No, no. What I I mean, when I mean nine to five
2: and working for someone else, you know,
0: like I have like I'm big with analogies because I feel like analogies. If you word it correctly and you speak it correctly, it makes the wheels turn, so to speak. It, It antagonizes antagonizes critical thinking, which a lot of people and I'm not saying this to be like a jerk about things or snooty. A lot of people just don't have the ability to critically think they think that they do, but they don't. And I mean, there's a lot of reasons for that. And I understand I'm not going to get into that right now, but I also have this, this, this classroom theory on people. And a lot of people, when I tell them the classroom theory, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I'm talking to them, I'm actually talking about them and they don't realize it. And they think that, and I'll explain my classroom theory. So like, you know, when when you were in grade school, you had, what, 20, 25, maybe 30 kids in a classroom, right? Right. And out of those 25, 20, 25, 30 kids, you had a couple who were literally either borderline autistic with some kind of learning disability, straight-up autistic. This is before they, like, separated everybody, and yep. I know you know those times. Absolutely. Right? Then you literally had a couple, a couple meaning two, that were exceptionally bright, that always were, like, ninety six and better on all the tasks, it's always aced everything academically, right? And then the rest of the class were barely average C and B students. And I honestly feel that the majority of the world are B and C students. And that's why the quote unquote one percent manipulates and controls the general population. Because at the end of the day You know, they say that, um, I I always, it's so funny. I'm like the least religious person in the world, but I'm very spiritual. But I always seem to be referring to like biblical, biblical stories. They, I know they say that, uh, God created all man equal. That's not true. Absolutely not. It's not true. And it's one of the stupidest fucking things and the most accepted, most accepted statements, you know, across the board, as far as like religion is concerned, um, Everybody is definitely not born equal. I mean, we're all born pretty much the same way, as far as the actual, you know, the that's actual, it. the actual physical part. Of, a, slot B, you know what I'm saying? Right. But that's not the case at all. Um, it's a genetic thing. It's an ep- an economic thing, you know. And for whatever reason, I, and, and I'm not saying like I'm better than anybody else, but. You're
2: operating on a different wavelength. You're on a different highway of information.
0: I vibrate on a very different frequency than most people. That's why most people, they can't relate to me. They don't understand. They think I'm weird, and I am because I'm not normal. I'm not normal in the sense that I'm not part of the C C and B students, and I never was. I've always been different since I was a little kid. I just saw things differently. Um, The same inquisitive mind that i have that has gotten me this far in life also used to get me in a lot of trouble because i, I would i would ask a lot of questions because i wouldn't be accepting of what i was being told because it didn't make sense to me While well, everybody else was like yeah 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 and i'm like what are you fucking stupid that doesn't make any sense my my mom would get calls like hey we
2: need you to come up here she's like why well you know he kind of Just talks is he not be does he feel he's not challenged enough because you know he's he's not really listening to what we're saying because he's already ahead and my mother be like what do you want me to tell you (laughs) like i don't know like maybe he's not challenged and i'd come home and she'd say are you not challenged i'm like it's boring to me so i i definitely understand that because you reach a point where especially when when you're just playing in a when you're playing in a different headspace growing up you you know you know from a, from an early age, like, this isn't for me. And I know people that, like, the school thing wasn't for them. Like, I know kid, guys that they ended up just not finishing school or getting a GED, and they're happier because they're doing what they ended up loving to do, whether right. it was running their own business or just doing something that was something that they people said they couldn't do. Like, I think we're seeing so much more of that. You know, people that aren't falling into the trap of, oh, you got to go to college. And, you know, the, like like I told you, the the, the blueprint that everybody gets spoon fed when you're growing up. Oh, you grow up, you go to school, you go to college.
0: Get married, married, to, married, white picket fence, yeah, dog, baby, yep. blah, 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 exactly. blah, blah.
2: That 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 mentality doesn't fit in this day and age because at the end of the day, we're so evolved and so different as people that that won't work for everyone and in it your doesn't, case it doesn't it doesn't work for me exactly and in your case as as an entrepreneur you know your journey's taking you to so many different places and you've done so many different things and one thing that i've always said is you always felt fulfilled doing them because it's what you love to do yeah i mean you know that's that goes back to everything you know like that's the basis of it you know if it's if you're not enjoying if if you're enjoying yourself it's never work
0: To me, in my mind, passion is a segue to love, right? But love isn't always a segue to to being in a better financial position. 100%. Because just because you're passionate about something, just because you really enjoy something, you love something, doesn't necessarily mean you know exactly how to take what you're into and turn it into tangible cash. 100%. Or on this day, a credit system, right? Why I am the way I am. I really can't explain that to you. I just, I see things very differently. You know, I'm just, and I'm not saying this to be braggadocious or put myself on a pedestal. Most things that I get into, for whatever reason I'm into them at that moment of my, in my, of my life and that time of my life, I'm naturally good at a lot of things. I, I really am. And I'm not just saying that. There were like certain things that I can do before I was, went off to school to learn how to read or write. And I started school a year early I don't know what kind of test they gave me. Apparently, I took some kind of, I guess, some kind of aptitude test with whatever kind of test you can give a a child at that age. But I started a school year. A sc- I started school a year early. They gave me whatever test, and I guess I passed it, and they allowed me to be in kindergarten with everyone who was a year to a year and a half older than me. So I was always younger than everybody else in class. But before I got to school, I could do a few things. Um, I can pretty much draw. Anything at that time before I went to kindergarten, I could just draw that was like a natural thing. um I was taught how to cook, but I was good at it, like I picked it up fast, and I was taught how to throw my hands at an early age, specifically boxing, and I was really good at it, like really good so it's what I like to call the it factor, you know, and I say it in 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 air quotes, but I describe it as. You can't buy it. You can't teach it. You can't duplicate it. You're either born with it or you're not. Right. And for whatever reason, like I'm very aware of the gifts that I was given. It's not like it's me, me, me. You're just a vessel. You're a vessel from a source. And that source has legitimately blessed me with a lot of, beneficial things to not survive in this life but thrive and i'm aware of that and i know like look we've known each other for quite some time we've had a gap in time during the time we've known each other but at the end of the day you and i are very close and there's a connection and i kind of describe it as and this is kind of all like pulling together you know how like you meet people in life well you know people in life, whether it be your intermediate family, kids you grew up with on the block, maybe went to school up to a certain grade, people that you know for a long, a pretty long chunk of period of time in this lifetime. You, you're constantly around them, but you really don't know them and there's no real connection. Right. And every now and then, someone in life you cross paths with and there's just that fucking bond. And, 100%. I, and I can't explain I it. Like, you just, it's a, it's a sense. It's a feeling. Of remembering and reconnecting. Right. right. And I say remembering and reconnecting, and I don't care if people believe this or are into this, and atheists and what religion. They're, trust me when I tell you we've experienced previous lives before, and everybody comes into your life for a specific purpose and reason. Oh, absolutely. And it's all, in the end, for a beneficial Reason, um, there are certain people that I just connect with, and it's that whole it factor you know you can't quite put your finger on it, but, but you, it's there. you you've may you may not have been brought up in the same home together, but when you're around them, you feel like you're home right, you know what I'm saying, no, so I get it that whole it thing is like when I do specific things where I think specific things for as far as a business is concerned, something I'm into. It's because I can feel it, you know? And that sounds really corny. It sounds really corny and like cliche. And this is going to get real, real corny. But they basically explain that. That's the premise of Star Wars, right? It's the premise of Star Wars. It's the premise of if you're a true, true martial artist, they talk about chi, which is your energy. Yep. And in Star Wars, they call it the force. Right. And in the movie Avatar, they called um how do they word it in Avatar? There was a specific wording they used in Avatar, I forget. Oh, man, but they amazing. described it in Avatar, how they're connected and one with the planet. Right. But it was more than just a planet. It's a universal source of energy, you know? And for whatever reason I am able to tap into that frequency with not a whole lot of distractions. You've never I mean, you've seen me get into it with a few people, this, that, the other, but you've really never seen me really flow into a fight the way I do. I know you've heard a lot of things about me. When I get into a physical altercation with somebody, and this is gonna, and and you know what, the Matrix—that's another movie—they kind of talk about what I'm yep, talking the about.
1: Source. They actually reference
0: the when source. I get into it, somebody. My, I can't explain to you my vision. It's very different than the average person. I can see things before they happen you know, not not just with my own eyes, but my, my left and my right. I have a different, I have very different vision than most people, right? Um, and there's an extreme intuition to me. I, I know things before they happen, and I'm never wrong. So that's kind of um what I believe what allows me to be the way I am. And once again, I don't feel like I'm better than anybody else. I just feel that, I don't know why There's a different drive to There's a get a w- you there very different. Yeah. everybody's like well, you it's know.
2: like it's like this. think about it you have you put five cars on a starting line. they're all on four wheels, they all have drivers, they all have different engines. How they get to the finish line is about a multitude of things. Mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, at its core, it's four wheels, a frame, and a driver and an engine how What's in it is what gets it to the finish line and i think that that's how your approach works you know the way the way you've gotten to the finish line hype you know in a in a in a in a larger sense is because you're wired differently Yeah, you know there's a different I am wired. I there's am a wired different engine in that car at the end of the day we're all human like like you were saying but that, the what, but the parts that make us who we are differ so 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 much it's the it's the the thing where You know, like the inclination for somebody to commit a crime versus the inclination of someone who doesn't. It's two same people that may have two parents and everything else, but one's inclined to commit a crime and one's inclined not to.
0: For whatever reason, I was given the ability to see past the smoke and mirrors. I was also given the ability to walk with the shadows. I don't know why. I really don't. I'm actually kind of tingling right now in my hair as I'm saying it. I've um, suffered a lot of loss in this life a lot more than most and at the same token other things were added to my life and i I, you know i i I know it's part of a of a greater bigger divine design right you know why because you know for me i'm always about the the why who what where when and why i'm always about those five questions I, i i i can't tell you why i i don't know why you know, I, I know I have some strong feelings towards some things, but can I tangibly prove it to you? No. no, I mean, I can't really tangibly prove a lot of what I just spoke about, but I know it exists. You know, they say like, you know, one of my favorite, favorite movies in the world, is city of angels with Nicholas Cage and, um, what's her name? Meg Ryan, Meg Ryan. Um, is it Meg Ryan or is it Melanie Griffin? Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan, I is believe. It, mm, I, yeah, Melly
2: Griffiths is a little older. Yeah, but yeah, definitely
0: Meg Ryan. Um, you know, the scene in that movie, he's, he plays he plays an angel, right? And he kind of like fell in love with her, so he would appear to her, but no one else could see him other than her. And he, he there's a scene where they're in, they're in this really awesome library, and I love libraries. Mm. It's a circular, a circular library with different levels and she 's trying to explain something to her, but she 's one of those people in life that she needs she needs tangible proof of everything right it 's got to make sense either on a scientific or a mathematical level the way her left and right brain you know analyze things and break right. things down and he tells her to close her eyes right and he 's trying to explain to her without telling her verbatim that he 's an angel he 's trying to explain to her what he is in, 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 in a way to where, once again, it's, it's sparking critical thinking. And all really critical thinking is, is you're not using your five senses, so to speak. You're using your sixth most important sense.
2: You're expanding your horizons past what you see.
0: Your sixth sense is basically your soul's view. And he makes her close her eyes and she opens up the palm of her hands and he starts, like, scratching his finger into the palm. And he's, like, basically asking her, how does she know that that's real, what he's doing to her? And she says, because I can feel it. Couldn't see it yep. because she could feel it. And that's how I am with a lot of things. I just feel it. I feel it. You know what I mean? So when I'm being spontaneous and I'm, cry- I'm you know me, I'm very witty with my... mouth and i have very funny quirky quick comebacks it's because i can just i flow with that type of energy i cannot explain it and i'm not putting myself on these people's pedestals but there are certain people in life that i've studied from the past that i just identified with and you know people like bruce lee people like nikola tesla people like albert einstein you know um you know you you like i like the word that you use it's your word resonate i resonate with a lot of those type of personalities the way they thought their their spirits right what made bruce lee the special martial artist that he was because he was him you know what made mike tyson kid dynamite then became iron because you know that was like you know what i'm saying like right. i just identify with certain personalities and it's, It's the people who just thought differently at the time, you know, like Nikola Tesla at the time. People had no idea. People people looked at him like a like a warlock, like he was a freak of nature, right? Because of you know he locked himself away a lot from society. He didn't really deal with people. He couldn't be bothered with quote unquote nine to five mentalities. Not because he was a snob and he hated people, but he couldn't relate to them because he vibrated on a different frequency. A lot of people don't know, like he, like out of everybody that I admire and so to speak look up to, you know, he's my pedestal. Okay. He's my pedestal. Like he's like, it doesn't get any higher than him. Interesting. Like in the comic book world for me, it's Todd McFarlane in, in life in general, it's Nikola Tesla. The this not the inventions, nothing in this life is invented discoveries. Discoveries, what he discovered, he was just literally light years ahead of his time. And not that I try to emulate any of these people that I'm talking about, but they have an influence on me. And I feel like it sounds crazy. I feel like the people that I admire and that I'm into and that I read about and I studied, I almost feel like sometimes they have their hand behind my shoulders and my back. And they're literally pushing me into a certain direction along with my ancestors, you know? And that's really how I feel. And I don't talk like this to you at all, do I? Nope. I'm usually joking around and busting balls and cracking stupid adolescent jokes.
2: You know, it's funny. We're we're having this conversation, and, you know, we're we're exploring, you know, what it takes for you to be who you are, which is what this is, you know? And it's funny, you mentioned earlier about loss and being a comic book fan years ago, I, I, I remember when the character Doomsday first came out. Mm-hmm. And at the time, the character was a mystery. And as a kid growing up, I thought, wow, this is a cool character. He's pretty strong. He killed Superman. And I say killed in quotes. But um, one of the things when you dig into his origin was that Doomsday would be, from when he was young, he'd be put on a planet with nothing. He'd get killed. They'd take his de- harvest his DNA rebuild and put him back on the planet what killed him before couldn't kill him now and i think that what you were saying i like to call it the doomsday effect is something that i think we both can relate to where we've been broken down we've t- we've taken what's broken us down and used it to make us better so what broke us down previously won't break us down now right and i think that it's one of those things that when it comes to your drive of how you approach business that's i think that's where you you excel because with you it's like oh that didn't work well i stumbled i learned from it guess what's happening next that's not happening again and i you know i think that that's partially a life thing and it relates to what you were saying about just being able to feel it being able to sense it it makes you sharper than most because again you've you've experienced loss you've been broken down but You got rebuilt and now you're not getting broken down again by that same thing. And I think that's applicable in a lot of things. And to talk about your approach to what drives you to to excel at just being an entrepreneur and creating revenue and finding opportunities where most don't, I think that that's something that you've been incredibly capable at, but that's because it comes naturally.
0: I've also been very fortunate. Like I said, it's not like me as this human suit it's wherever that source is, whatever word you want to use in a dictionary, whatever language you speak, whatever religion you believe in, whatever that is, it it flows through me and it flows very strong. And as I'm getting older, I am getting wiser. Thank God. And I am learning a lot because I, I I did. I'm not going to say I lost a lot, like in a physical term, like lost a game, But there's been a lot of hard lessons in my life. Right. And um, thank God that for whatever reason I've been given a brain and that it factor to pay attention from the losing times. Yep. I learned a lot. I learned a lot during this lifetime. I always say there's no such thing as failures, just lessons. You know, I think that one of the most important lessons in life is when you do fail at something. But the, the the importance of the lesson is that, you know, I notice with a lot of people, I'm very much into psychology. And aside, aside from, like, being into psychology, I can pick up on people's stuff. You know, I don't really talk like this a lot. Somebody who we mutually know, I kind of dropped an A-bomb in his head the other day. And I know he's avoiding me now because he knows it's true what I said to him. But I have the ability to hold a mirror in front of people. And what I mean by that is that. Help them see their truest self. But people they don't want to see it. People can say whatever they want to say to me. But when you're speaking and that, that vibration is coming from your vocal cords and I'm looking into your eyes, your mouth may be saying one thing, but I hear the voice, the true voice that's not speaking. It's just a gift that was given. And as I'm getting older and I'm making more positive conscious decisions, it used to be kind of, like on a wide scale and now it's becoming very laser accurate pinpoint. You know, um, this sounds crazy. I'm going to tell the story, but I'm going to tell it. And I don't share this. A couple people know of this story, but I've never told like a lot of people. I was on my way home from work one day. And at the time I, you know, I would always take the same route home, blah, blah, blah. And I was, I was driving on a specific road and I got this, this vision in my head that I saw kind of like the landscapers weed whacking, and like I can almost see the weed whacker spinning in slow motion, kind of like the Matrix, right? And it hits this, this pebble slash rock, and it smacks me right in my left cheek, right? And as like it's happening almost simultaneously, I'm coming up, and I see exactly what I just saw in my head, verbatim. Not similar, verbatim.
1: Like deja vu.
0: Yeah, it was really strange. It was like the first time this happened to me. And all of a sudden, I just lowered the driver's window. It was a hot day because I didn't want the window to break. And as I lowered the driver's window, I put up my right hand in front of the left part of my cheek, and that fucking rock goes right into the palm of my hands. There you go. And I still have that rock to this day It's put away somewhere. But that really kind of freaked me out. And I've had all kinds of weird things that probably people be like, you need to be in a fucking psych ward, yada, yada, yada. I've been very uncomfortable with certain things that have happened to me when I was younger. Uncomfortable meaning scared. But as I got older and I have different different guides in my life, Spirit guides, if you want to call them. And they kind of got me past a lot of the the nervous, awkward feeling of being in tune with certain things. I'm just, you know how like, you know, they people use that term pass away when someone dies. Yep. But you're really not dying. You're just passing away. You're going to another place. That's right. For whatever reason, I'm a bridge to that other place. I don't talk about it. It's personal. Right. Talking about it now, because I feel like it's just, I can in this moment. And probably, there's a good chance that you may never hear this type of talk from me ever again, for as long as we're friends. Right. But right now, I'm just kind of feeling that, that it thing going on. So, that's really, to come full circle, like, why I'm into certain things. and It's just that I'm feeling it, man. It's just, that's what it flows with me. And it's, like I said, I'm not faking it. You know, it's like that old stupid Saying from one of my favorite movies, Boiler Room, you know, act as if I don't act, man. There's no ifs about me.
2: The problem with that and even even, you know, act as if, fake it till you make it, all of that stuff. The problem with that is that sometimes and you know, I, I fall victim to this just running a business. It's you say to yourself, If I think it and I put it out there, it's gonna it'll be the, it'll be like this. And yeah, that's great. But sometimes that reality sets in and it doesn't happen. So you know the guy that has a hundred dollar bill wrapped around a bunch of ones, it's like at the end of the day, you the st- once that hundred dollars is spent, you just stuck with a bunch of ones. Yeah, the knot looks awesome, but at the end of the day, that knot is fifty dollars.
0: Yeah, it's presentation. It, it, yeah, it's
2: presentation, and I think that in in respect to that, as someone who's trying to run their own business, I think that's a gift and a curse like, yeah, there's you got to bring a little style and a little flash to your business because it's your business. You know, you want to you want to be the best representation of your business as possible. But I also feel that you have to be um, self-aware. And that's, I think, a problem with just trying to run your own business. Too many people come into running their own business wanting to get rich overnight. It's not it's not a sprint. It's a marathon It takes time. And I think too many people run into run into this stuff with that. That's how I see it. I think with you and how you approach business in general, there's methodical. You know, it, it it's patience, it's time. You don't rush into nothing. I can't. <laughs> you don't rush you, into when, shit. When
0: you when you rush things, you slop things. And I don't yep. slop things. I'm not a hundred percent type of person. Yep. I'm a one billion percent type of person. Not hundred and ten. Not a one fifty. I'm like I'm a, I'm a one trillion type of person. You know, and I'm going to use boxing as an example. That's one of my loves. That's one of my passions. It's something I've been into from as long as I can remember. I, and I get in a lot of trouble in the sport because I open my mouth about things that people say you shouldn't talk about. Well, I'll talk about whatever the fuck I want, whenever I want, however I want. And if you don't fucking like it, well, you know what we can do. That's it. You know what I'm saying? So I never understood why specific people puppeteered and manipulated behind the scenes for a specific outcome to to, uh, for a specific outcome to come to fruition you know from a specific fight right and i understand and that's the thing for me like a lot of people can't understand they can only stand from like they can understand only if they're like from the boxer if they're if they're a fighter they can only stand from the fighting perspective and then and then you have like the perspective of like the corner so most fighters and I'm, i'm not trying to be disrespectful to fighters but most fighters i know are not very intelligent people, as far as like academically, you know, academics is concerned, and, and financial, you know, all, all the things that come with the, with the financial status of being a fighter. So they have to have a specific corner, specific, hopefully, a group of people so that have their is a way better out. interests, you know that that are really there for them to make sure that they don't that they have every opportunity they can have and not squander their money away in the process, right? Absolutely. And then, and then you have the other the other perspective. Of of the promoters, right, and you have all all these players in this in this in this game, right, and and then when it comes down to like the, what they call quote unquote these super fights, and they're really called super fights because when the when the athletes are fighting at that level, it's something so unique and so special, you know, it's like that that one star in a galaxy that just glitters and shines a little brighter than all the other stars, right, you know, and. You know, you got some people that just manipulate the outcome of, of that glitter. But my, my my thing is if you have two fighters that really want to get at each other and they're both passionate about what they do and they want to be there and they're having fun doing it, or they have a lot of animosity towards it, why do you have to manipulate the outcome? Just let it play you know, out, and, let it and, flow. And that's kinda like my position and the way I the way I see things like when I'm getting into a specific business or a business idea. Obviously, I would like to make a profit and some type of a some type of revenue and be able to to live life off of what I'm thinking about doing and what I'm gonna try to make come to fruition. But my driving force is always me really being into wanting to make that happen. Right. You know, like last year when we put together we put together that first expo, that was something I thought about that I always wanted to do from when I was a little kid. How cool would it be bucket list, to have a comic book show, you know? And it didn't happen once, and it didn't happen twice. It happened three times. I right. mean, that person had to part ways because that person, all he cared about was white and green, he cared about dead presidents and only that, and I could only stomach that and swallow that pill for so long. That's right. Now, don't get me wrong. I want to make money, but I'm not a glutton about it. I always feel that you can make a... You know, people... When it comes to business, people, um they love to use this term. It's nothing personal, man. It's business. That's a good way to get killed. That's a, For me, that's a good way that you probably might end up sipping your next 45 days worth of meals through a straw. Because to me, it's a scapegoat to be a scumbag. Absolutely. I always feel that if you're a good business, a reputable business, an honest business, no matter what business it is that you're in, of course, you're there to make money. That's where business is, but that doesn't give you a fucking green light to scumbag people and take advantage of people because they don't have the knowledge of what's going on behind the scenes. I always feel that if you're an honest, good, reputable business, that means that you're making money, but you're not being gluttonous about it you know if if you're being gluttonous about it and you're being sneaky about it and you're being manipulative about it, you're not a good business. You're a good fucking liar. There's a difference. You're a good showman. There's a difference. It's like back in the day. I remember that Michael Jackson video with um what's his face from the Beatles? Say, 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 don't you know? Oh, okay. I forget the name of the record, but in the video, they're they're peddling um like like snakeskin oil. You know what I'm saying? Like
2: the old snake oil sales yeah
0: videos. it's like that whole concept is that music video you know Keep what i mean tonic
2: on your hair yeah exactly
0: selling people selling people things that making people believe things that that don't really work you know what i'm saying i ripping just basically ripping people off and I'm, I'm a great believer like if you love what you do and you put your heart and soul into it and your passion you're gonna make money Absolutely. so like for me like even though i want to make money and it's and it, you know it's it, it's definitely part of the driving force, but my the 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 battery that that the drives the engine is my love and my passion for something. And I feel like if you're if you love and you're passionate about something, and you have the ability and the brain power to figure out what to do with that, the money's going to come naturally. It's like a magnetic effect. Like you're just going to attract it, you know. And I think that's why. And again, I'm not putting myself on a pedestal. But that's why I feel a lot of people are attracted to my personality. And that's also why a lot of people are repulsed by my personality. I feel that the people that are repulsed by my personality, my spirit enrages their demons. Hmm. And they're they're not good people. And the the people who are good and see me for who I really am, they're happy to be around me because they learn a lot, right? I, I give a lot and I care a lot. You know what I mean? I'm a firm
2: believer iron sharpens iron. That's the way it always is and I think that if you go through life either surrounded by yes men or people that won't challenge your way of thinking or won't force you to be a better you then you're never going to get ahead because at the end of the day all you're doing is living and going through life with a facade, you know, something phony, something that's just, you know, again, fake it till you make it. Yeah, that's all well and good, but you'll never know your how how you run a business or how you are as a person until you run into those people that that challenge and sharpen you to make you better right i think that's that's what sets a lot of people apart and i mean you know switching gears a little bit you know you you've you've dipped your toes in a few pools you know i want to kind of talk about you know your work in the in the fitness industry Mm. because you know you know to one of the toys and and tech is more than just the the tangible stuff that everybody uses but in case of the fitness industry especially in your case the tech that's involved isn't just weights and machines but it's nutrition but it's nutrition also and i think that you know when you approach that you approach it differently than most and i kind of want to start off with you know what was your first fitness related endeavor what was your first fitness job or your first client let's, uh, you know, let's talk about that. You know, what was, how, how'd you meet your first client when you were working in that space?
0: Hmm. That's an interesting question. Try, I'm, 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 you know, all the people I've trained over the years, I'm really trying to think who was my first. Um, it was definitely a female and I had met this person through work actually through, through a job at the time.
2: How old were you at the time when, when you started? Oh, doing that, man. Doing that endeavor in particular? I was
0: in my early 20s. Okay. In my early 20s. Actually, you know what? I'm lying. My f- It was a female, and I did not get paid for it.
1: Oh, okay. Someone
0: you know. Okay. Someone I dated for a while. Um, she was the first person I started training. Okay. And it came easily me- with me and her because we connected on a different level. From from the start, um, she was a tiny little thing, but superior genetics, and just kind of understood when I was explaining certain things to her. People accused me of giving her anabolic steroids because her body went from being incredible to just out of this world. She just had amazing genetics, and I just kind of have a knack for knowing exactly what to have specific people do, and... Eat, for a multitude of reasons.
2: What's your thought process when you approach a client? Let's say a client walks in, you've never you've never
0: met them. I don't approach clients, they approach me. Right. Well, that's what I mean. They yeah. come
2: to you, "Hey, I want to train." You've never you've never worked with them. You go, "All right, I'm going to going to train you." What's your what's your approach in terms of getting them set up? How do you approach it from a from an equipment side? How do you approach it from a, a nutrition First side? I start
0: asking questions. Okay. I ask questions. You know, if they come to me and they say, Listen, I really want to get in better shape. I want to start trying to live a more healthy lifestyle. I need to go on a diet. Right off the bat, I already know there's a problem. Diets don't exist. Right off the bat, I already know I'm going to have a problem with this person because of the way they're walking into the situation and the way they're perceiving the situation. Okay. So for me as a personal trainer, you know, a lot of personal trainers. They'll take a test, they'll study, you know, for the exam, and they get their license. And I kind of look at it like driving a car. There's a lot of people in the world who have driver's license, but don't know how to fucking drive, and they don't understand things. They they were smart enough to to pass a test, but to practically apply what you should be learning doesn't happen so much for a lot of personal trainers. Okay, you know, you're either gonna pay for the half hour package or the hour package. Once again, I don't operate like that, and you're not going to get the nutritional benefits from most personal trainers. I know that everybody, just like in that classroom, you had the BNC students, you had the above average students, and the below average students. Everybody learns at different paces. Absolutely. Some, you know, some guys may, just because they love doing chess so much, so they pick up on doing chess really easily, but they struggle with like a squat. I'm just giving examples. Right. You know, um I don't do the half hour or the hour. I do however much time it takes for that specific session for whatever we're doing that day. And I I tell them and I and I really influence them in the way I speak to them with certain words. I remove certain vocabulary out of their mouths. And when you remove certain words out of people's mouths, you're taking it out of their heads, you know such as an example like the word diet. Okay. The, the diet doesn't exist when you train with me. Okay. You you're 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 changing your way of life. Makes sense. Because a diet is a um it's not a permanent thing. It's right. for a specific time frame. It ends and it begins. It begins and it ends. You know, when you change your way of life, you're making permanent advancements with yourself. Right. Permanent advancements. I can agree with that. And when you train with me, I don't just sit there and all right, you're going to do 3 sets of this, and you're only going to do this amount of amount of reps. Once again, what I'm trying to do is really I'm projecting whatever's inside of me through me into you. You know, and everybody's different. You know, a personal trainer should be just that. You get really personal with that person. It takes me a good 3 to 4 weeks to really start building that deep connecting relationship. Okay. And once I do that, and just from hanging out with them, and I'll joke around with them, and it won't all be you know, balls to the wall, serious, serious. I mean, trust me, you're going to bust your ass when you work with me. Right. You're going to bust your ass when you work with me. But I'm also getting to learn you as a person, and that helps me develop specific nutritional regimens for that person. And I know what they're good at and what they're not good at and what they need to be improving on. And, and so as long as they're being honest and open with me, I can really help them. It's not like I know a lot of times people have felt like me in the past were like, oh, I don't want to get in trouble. But it's not about getting in trouble. You got to stay honest because at the end of the day, you know how you look is my finished product. I don't want you paying me you. x amount of dollars, you know, and telling your friend, oh yeah, I'm working with him, blah 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 blah. Because my name, my name's around. Right. You know, I'm working with him. Oh really? You don't look. You him. don't look like you're working with him. Like I don't ever want to hear right. that. Absolutely. So. If the person comes to me, and trust me, like I'm a motivating person, but if you're not motivating yourself, I don't want to work with you. Makes sense. It's my job to, to teach you, to train you, and if you pay attention with the way I am, and I am methodical, in three to four months, you should be on your own. I, ge- I have given you enough tools and equipment to pretty much do what you need to do for yourself. I I didn't just make the food for you. I taught you how to cook it, and hopefully you're generous enough to refer me to somebody else, and that's how the cycle continues, and that's how it's always been for me. That's how I've always worked it. Nice. I I never approach somebody like trying to pitch them like, oh, you need to work with Got me. It. People come to me, but I've also been around for a very long time. There's rarely a, a situation where I walk into a gym anywhere in New York and somebody doesn't know me, whether through whether it be through actual bodybuilding. The gym scene itself, boxing, Brazilian jiu jitsu, some form of martial arts. Because I've 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 done a lot of things in my life. I've done a lot of things in my short Dab, forty years da- here,
2: dabbling, dabbling in a little of everything.
0: Yes, a lot more than dabbling. But <laughs> I'm 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 known. I'm the guy that's that's always a part of something. But my face isn't on the camera. I don't want the spotlight on me. Right. You know what I'm saying? I kind of in I, the shadows. I, I kind of yeah, exactly. And I kind of enjoy being there and because i feel like once you start getting that type of attention it can be very distracting well to 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 go into that
2: a little bit further so you're you're training you know what are three three per three tools that you personally like to use when training clients do you feel barbell dumbbell what are your machine
0: which machine like it depends on the, it depends on the person okay it, well, it's it's never it's never it's, it's never a set standard okay that's why it's called personal training
2: What do you prefer do you have a preference
0: for myself or for others
2: uh for yourself more so
0: it depends on what i'm training oh okay a my a lot of my train's instinctual oh, at this okay. point it's very instinctual like it used to be back in the day when I was younger and I was getting into it you know I would have legitimately written down on index cards exactly what my routine was going to be what i was going to
2: ask you, did you I, did all right you i'm pro- like let's, chronicle it? let's yes. just
0: say it was a monday international chest yes. day international dumbbell day actually so the dumbbells are doing chest <laughs> right so let's say it was a monday back in the day when i was like 15 16 all right i'm gonna do three sets of bench i'm gonna do three sets of incline dumbbell i'm gonna do three sets of dips and i'm gonna finish off with either a cable crossover or a pec deck right like that was like my I'm just giving, like, an example, like, right. standard, you know, Monday chess routine. Right. It's not like that anymore, man. Like, because I've really evolved, and I kind of, once again, it's going to sound <clears throat> extremely, extremely corny. You know how, like, in Star Wars, I keep, I'm sorry I keep referring to this. I just can't help it. No, it's a good reference But point. how when Obi-Wan Kenobi takes Luke in, and he's he's giving him all these drills with the lightsaber at first. Yep right and he with the floating ball that floating ball with the lasers yep. and luke's trying to block and deflect all these stinging lasers that are coming at him and he's having a hard time cuz what is he using only his he's two right. eyes yep. and what does obi-wan do to him he blindfolds him right yep. or he puts that helmet on him where he can't see that's right and what does he say use the force luke right sounds corny that's right but luke eventually learned how to flow with that energy and that's what I do uh, once again with people, right? And I can't explain it. I just i that it factor, I just know what to do. I always know what to do for that person. okay, I need three or four weeks because we're not going to spend five hours there, you know, but for the time that we spend for the you know two, three, four, maybe hopefully five times a week that we spend together, I get close with you, not because I'm trying to be your best friend. But I'm picking up them reach a goal. I'm trying. Yeah. And I, but I, but I'm getting to know them, I'm getting to know their spirit. And when I make that connection and a lot of personal trainers will understand that they're just that, that, that bookman textbook mentality. Right. I just pick up on other things. I just, I just got that feeling in me. I got that thing in my head. I got that thing in my heart. I got that thing in my throat. I just know what to say. I know what I'm feeling and I know what I'm thinking to, to bring out the best in that person, in that specific moment.
2: Iron sharpening iron.
0: I can't explain it, man. It's like like I said, I don't have I don't have a specific preference. It depends on the person, it depends on the situation. It Depends on what type of training we're doing in that moment.
2: Well you were talking about now insti- you know, training on instinct. With that said, I mean obviously gone are the days of index cards to track workouts now. Right.
0: So Which I that- still use index cards though. Okay. I what do. do you- I use index cards for my Nutritional regimen for people. Okay, it's just easy. It reminds me of flashcards from when I was in grade school. Flashcards always help me remember things. Okay, and I feel like it's really easy. A lot of people get very confused because they're not educated when it comes to nutrition. So when I give them a an index card that says fats, and I list off all the healthy fats that they can incorporate in their in their plan, and I, I make a card that says protein and all the proteins that they should be using for themselves and that in their plan and the kind of carbohydrates and then you know i make cards that actually have the actual meal plans of x amount of protein x amount of carbs and i'm pulling you know and it just helps it just makes it easier it's kind of like that game memory yep and it just when when you're not educated on something and if you're not passionately into it you know it's it's like handing somebody you know you just, they get confused and i feel like the cards just make it easier for people and it's easy to carry around and it's cool to have something tangible these days instead of looking in your stupid-ass fucking phone for everything, you know? It makes it it makes it a more personalized experience. Well, you
2: know, but before we switch gears, I wanted to ask this because everybody always has a different opinion on this. What's one myth that you feel should be, you know, put to sleep, so to speak, when it comes to training and nutrition? What's a constant? What's a myth that you... You hear and you're just like, oh, really?
0: You really think that? I hate this. This is a, a, a real big one for me. When they say you can only train one body part a week or yeah. or you can train a body part twice a week, right? That's like a big one. Those, yep. those, those, those are two big ones. The fact of the matter is everybody's different. Some people can literally physically only really train one body part once a week can't do chest twice a week they could only do it once a week some people can train right. chest or legs or back or whatever body part twice a week some can even do it three it depends on you i'm glad you i'm glad you said that because
2: a good example whenever people talk about this i always say you've seen uh stark the soleil right mm-hmm. or you know you see the guys that do like the human not the acrobats but the people that do like they do the slow poses and hold people, and
0: you you see these individuals. They're super jacked, freaks of nature, super
2: ripped. And think about it; these people are
0: doing. They're not these, even super jacked. They're super ripped. Well, they the, look like gymnasts.
2: Yeah, they, 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 but the guys that are like holding someone up for like you know a minute more, sometimes more, right? And you see them. They're they're working on this consistently. You know, it, it, to your point, it's like it depends on the person. Or you look at a guy like Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps is swimming at least every day or every other day nobody's saying hey you swam once this week you know don't swim the rest of the week because again that's that's that particular person that doesn't mean that i can go and swim you know every week
0: i always kind of use like like i said i like to use analogies yep you cannot teach a bear a grizzly bear how to swim like a dolphin true how does a dolphin know how to swim and do what it does it just does that's right you understand what I'm saying? 100. percent How does a monkey know how to manipulate his body and contort and swing from branch to branch without busting his ass and falling on the floor? Yep. It just does. How does an eagle know how to flap its wings and fly to the heights that it does? It just does. That's what I'm trying to tell you. A lot of these questions that you ask me, I, I just it's just in me, right? If that makes any sense to no, you. No, no,
2: I get it. I you know, but I wanted to ask you about that you know, dispelling that myth because what happens is, you know, a lot of people get caught up in an analysis paralysis where oh I gotta read seventeen different blogs of fitness and I gotta read fourteen different books. But for some people and, that works. Right. But but the thing about it is sometimes you get so overwhelmed with information right that you can't even pick out what's right on. Because what's they're wrong.
0: too busy thinking about it they're not right. just doing it. Right. You know, that old I hate to use them out of all corporations, <laughs> but that slogan, Nike, just do it. Yep. Oh man, that makes so much sense to me. Yep, it's true.
2: I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things, and I wanted to kind of touch on that because you know, fitness is a big characteristic of who you are as an individual.
0: It definitely is, and
2: it's and it's something that's defined you so much. So it's
0: connected to everything I've done in life, exactly.
2: And it's it's a it's it's a tool. You know, it's a it's 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 a it's a it's a tech in your arsenal. You know what I mean? Like when you help people, you know, unleash their strongest selves. You're doing it and it's not, you know, no fancy machines, no fancy stuff, just the basics. Good you know, good food, good quality food, ample rest, and and dedicated training, and you'll get to where you gotta get to.
0: For me, training <clears throat> and nutrition is no different than cooking. I really I really enjoy cooking. I do. I'm good at it. The best food in the world to me is the most simple, basic food freshest ingredients 100 percent. and i take that mentality into personal training and and nutrition itself you don't need all this fancy nonsense you don't need all these sports clubs and all this you know these uh, these all crazy contraptions and you don't need any of that shit man you know great physiques have always existed from pretty simple basic ingredients right hard work Right. You, 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 you work hard. Okay. You eat a balanced nutritional regimen. You get adequate sleep. Right. And doing those three things will bring out the best in your genetic potential. And everybody has different genetic potential. We all can't be Mr. Olympia. Nope. You know what I mean?
2: Definitely not. And I think that that's the problem too. And, and you and I have talked about this and I think it deserves a mention in this instance, you can't outrun shitty genetics. No. Well, not shitty genetics. That's a that's a poor word to use. You can't outrun genetics that just won't get you to where you think you should be.
0: No, but everybody can make drastic improvements. Exactly. And with, that's, with within within what you're capable of doing.
2: And that's exactly it. What you just said is the problem that many don't don't see. They're like, Oh, I wanna be like so and so on the cover of men's health. Yeah, but the dude that's on the cover of men's health, maybe he's taller than you. Maybe you know something you've talked about muscle insertions are different yeah muscle belly (laughs) the shape of the actual muscle
0: belly itself how people's fast twitch fast twitch fibers and slow twitch fibers are reacting to the actual mechanics of whatever exercise that you're conducting you know there's a lot of there's a lot of other factors that i'm not talking about i just i happen to know all that stuff right you know um different foods people react to food differently you know I, I like to, you know. Th- here, here's the biggest myth. This, yeah. You want to hear a nutritional myth that I hate the most that pisses me off? Shoot. Now that we're talking, because we're really getting into this, carbohydrates are bad for you.
2: Holy shit! You know how many? You know, bro. How many you people-
0: talk. You say the word carbohydrates to people now in the fitness industry who don't know. Yep. And it's like a fucking vampire getting garlic brought to him.
2: You know, it's funny you said that. You know, a couple of different fitness podcasts I listen to, they they acknowledge that same thing. Because everybody's hung up, you know. The new buzzword now is keto.
0: Oh my you know, god, doing, I hate it.
2: Doing, doing keto, and the problem is, like, yeah, it's all well and good, it's but so guess what? Stupid. But it's like, guess what? It's like the building blocks of of people have long existed before someone put a word in front of it, meaning, like, hey, maybe you need to eat less potatoes. Keto,
0: Atkins, <laughs> yep. blah blah. Listen, man. Buzzwords, man. I bur- see, bur- I and I see what keto allows. It's not healthy. Nope. It's not healthy. It's not healthy.
2: Atkins was the same way. Just when because everybody was on the Atkins just, diet? Yeah. It was like bacon and mayonnaise sandwiches or whatever other nightmare fuel people were eating. Just because
0: the- you may look a specific way from a specific diet. Listen, I'm telling everybody right now. I have had the blood of Banner in me. I used to juice when I was younger. I had met somebody who's now an IFBB pro and I had... Very high hopes and aspirations of turning. I never thought in my own heart, in my own head, that I had good enough genetics to turn to an IFBB pro, but I always felt that I could do very well at a national level, like right before the IFBB pro. Who knows? Maybe I could have if I took enough drugs, but I felt that I genetically needed the drugs in order to compete at that level. Okay. Okay. Um, How do I say this the right way? You know, I used to I used to eat a certain way and train a certain way to look a certain way, right? On the exterior, right.
2: But internally,
0: internally though, I was doing damage. Listen, I was eating. You know, when you go to Costco or BJ's, and I, I think it's like seventy-two eggs in that big ass. I was going through that big ass crate of eggs. I think it's either sixty or seventy-two. I was going through one of those every two days. Wow. I was eating between three and four red, between three and four steaks a day, right? Um, potatoes, rice, none of it was organic, none of it was organic at all.
2: Yep, it was just fuel at that point—a means to
0: an end. Um, I, I I looked crazy, you know. I and I, you know, I just body parts about me that are very dominating, and I, I had a freakish look to me. I, my shoulders are. You know, they exploded when I was doing all this and yada, yada, yada. But inside, I was doing internal damage. I was doing internal damage. You know, um, in the hip-hop scene, I used to uh, do security for certain people, certain famous rappers, and they used to call me D-Ball. Oh, and I and I got that nickname because, you know what? I took a lot of them. <laughs> I would, they were called Pinkies, and they were pills. And... Let's just say, for argument's sake, you're supposed to take maybe five in the course of a day. I was taking five, like, every couple of hours. Wow. That's pretty intense. Yeah. And, and like, I, like, I'm not one of those people, like, if you came up to me and you asked me, like, if I was taking stuff, I wasn't like the rest of these fucking bitches. Where they're like, oh, I'm not taking nothing. Like, I told you exactly what I was taking and how I was taking it. My first... My first real stack, I was taking over a 1,000 milligrams of different testosterone in one day. Holy cow. I I have it all written down. I was taking Decadoroblin in one stack with Sustanon, with PrimaBolin, and I forget what the fourth one was. It was, it was a four-stack, and I was shooting over a 1,000 milligrams of this shit every other
2: day. And- the combination of 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 that stack just to to educate those who who may not be familiar. Mm-hmm. What was what were because each each one of those apply, apply is applied differently. What was the- different
0: esters, right. um, different steroids serve different functions. Right. So, but for that particular, but that, for that particular stack, I was looking to gain size and strength. Okay. With that particular stack, gotcha. and they were all oil based. Okay, and then like when I would get ready for a competition, you you pretty much stop taking the oil, and you and you transfer over in, into into a water based, which is in and out of your system faster, which also means you have to shoot up every day. Jesus, yeah, that's crazy. I um, you know, I, like once again, this is something I never really spoke to you about. I got and I did this now for, you know, I I I cycled on and off of anabolic steroids for about. Maybe two years of my life, maybe two and a half years. But in that two, two and a half years, I did a lot. I did a lot. And I'm praying and hoping that I didn't do any long term damage to myself. All right. there's, there's been some things going on in my life health wise that I haven't been speaking about. Well here's that here's makes a qu- me think about it.
2: Here's a question. In the in the two year in the two year span, you know, what what changed that you said, you know what, I don't want to do this or I don't need to do this, what What was the the factor? What was the lightning bolt that said, maybe this ain't going to work? You should
0: use the word factor. The same person who I used to train with, who I learned a lot from, who became an IFBB pro, who is the world's top um, contest prep specialist. Okay. Me and him were inseparable, him and I. Everywhere we, we, we did everything together. I'm talking from travel to the Miss Olympia contest, to every bodybuilding contest, to watching sporting events, going out to eat. We were inseparable. We did everything together. Used to talk to him every day, kind of like how I am with you, right? And you know, one day we, I didn't hear from him, and I'm trying to reach out, and in two days, and in three days, and in four days, and all of a sudden it's like almost a fucking week. I'm like, what? I'm like to the point where like now I'm like, yo, like did something happen to him? Is he alive? You know, like who knows? And at the time we were running around in the streets doing things we shouldn't have been doing. Finally, his uh his wife reaches out to me after about almost six days passes and she's hysterical. Oh, jeez. And she tells me that he's in the hospital. Okay. And that he's gonna die. Wow. So I, I I go to the hospital in Queens and as I get apparently he was in a coma the whole time. When I get there, it kind of reminds me of like the movie Top Gun. you know like those big hoses that go on the uh the pilot's mass
2: yep, I know exactly where it looked that's like going. this
0: big vacuum hose was like in his mouth, yep, they had him strapped down like almost like chained down to the sides of the beds right. because he was violently ripping out all the equipment and tubing that was inserted into him jeez. He had a pretty bad temper, and I guess he didn't like where he was and under whatever prescription drugs they had him on and pumping him up whatever right but what ended up inevitably happening was him and i were, were, were taking you know a the anabolic steroids, there was growth hormone, there was insulin involved, there was a lot of things that we were doing and um basically, I don't know this for a fact, but it seems as if the the bacterialistic water and the growth hormone it, it didn't come from a clean source. Mm. And I remember specifically, and this was in the wintertime, it was it was cold, it was like in January, it was, like, it was one of those bitter cold months. And I remember he pulled up to my house, we were going to train, and he had the freaking air conditioner on full blast. It was like snow outside, like ice everywhere. I'm like, yo, dude, Like he's always complaining that he's running hot. I'm like, dog, dog like, and I know because we were taking clambuterols, right? So you run hotter and all this shit, like we know, but I'm like, his shit was, like, way different than mine. Like, I was always uncomfortable, but this was, like, absurd. I'm my dog, like, it's, like, 10 degrees outside. You got the freaking AC on, you go and he would be profusely sweating like he was on a treadmill. I'm like, yo, there's something wrong with you. I remember going to the gym that day and getting our workout in. We were both getting ready, I want to say, for the Metropolitan Classic at the time, which was a national qualifier. I remember we were taking our shirts off in the locker room, looking in the mirror, checking each other out, critiquing each other. And I just remember him not being able to catch his breath. I'm like, "Yo, something's wrong with you, dude." Huh. But he's a stubborn bastard. I'm like, "Yo, something. I know something's wrong with you." Well, that something turned out to be um, he caught basically a double infection in his lungs with ammonia. What ended oh. up happening was, and he would knock out falling asleep. Now this person is on the short side. I want to say he's five foot four, right? Five foot four, and at the time he was hovering around the two seventy mark. Wow. Went had an inch of body fat on him. And I was very close to that weight myself, except I'm six feet tall. So what ended up happening was he went to sleep that that night, right? That was the last time I saw him, and apparently he was choking to death in his sleep. sleep his apnea. his his wife forced woke him up and physically forced him to go to the emergency room. The reason why he was choking, because both of his lungs were about ninety five percent filled with fluid. Oh my god. That's crazy. So in a matter of two weeks' time, he went from 265, 270 to like 150 pounds. Wow. And when I got to the hospital, this is about the sixth day, and the last time I saw him was that night, and that's when it happened, and that's when he got admitted. Um, they were actually reading him his last rites when I got into the room. Jeez. And I had like 10 billion things going on in my mind at one time. We were both getting ready for the show, and at that time in my life, I didn't want to hear nobody's nothing. You did not interfere with my training. You did not interfere with my eating. You did not interfere with my meal prepping. Like if it was, if it wasn't related to that, I didn't want to be bothered with you. And now I'm sitting here watching him and I just kind of stood by his bedside. I like, I wouldn't leave. And, um, I just kind of stared at him while he was there in a coma. And I don't know. I was just thinking to myself a lot of things and, Asking for certain things to happen, and all of a sudden I'm staring at him, and he opens his eyes, and he recognizes me, and now they were freaking out because he was like coming in and out, so whenever he would open his eyes, that's when he would start ripping at the tubes, but he seen me, and he just put up his hand like this to like give me a pound and like pull me in, and he couldn't physically speak, but we were kind of like communicating with each other, and the fucking so fucked up. What he was trying to say to me was him and I were both huge Tampa Bay Buccaneer fans at the time. He it was a Sunday when I saw him. He asked me if the Bucks won that day. <laughs> That's what the fuck he asked me and he's oh, dying man. on his deathbed. Jeez. You know? And uh I said, Yeah, man, they they, they won. And I was the first person that he saw when he woke up permanently and he was so weak that when he was trying to talk to me, we would give him a pen and piece of paper and I would somewhat be able to make out what he was trying to say to me you know but between that and when my mother died my mother passed away again my my mom she was she was in a coma and um she was in a coma for a while it had been a couple of days and uh i wouldn't leave her bedside i was just kind of stuck in my work clothes at the time at the time i wore you know dress clothes dress clothes to work you know suit and tie and i was just kind of sleeping in the chair next to her And, um, she woke up when I was there and she played me for a fool. She, um, started talking to me like I'm talking to you right now, just regular. You wouldn't even think she was sick or dying, joking around, laughing at all my stupid ass jokes. And she told me, she said, I know what you're doing. I'm not blind. I want you to stop doing what you're doing. You know, meaning, meaning the steroid use. Right. You know, I didn't want to hear that shit at the time. So I just, yes, to the death, whatever. And um, I kind of have a vision in my head. Before she went back into the hospital that final last time, I was in my bedroom, and I had the syringe in my shoulder, injecting myself. And at the time, my mother was really, really sick, and she had a vasectomy. Her lungs were collapsed. The fluid kept coming out, so she had this pump attached to her.
1: Oh, yeah. I know that one all too well.
0: She starts knocking on my bedroom doors to say goodnight to me and that she loved me. And I started screaming at her not to come in the fucking room. My doors were locked, but she was like shaking, you know, like the door handle. Right. I'm like, leave me the fuck alone. I'm busy in here. And I kind of like freaked out because the needle was in my fucking shoulder. Oh my and at God. the time, my body was literally like concrete. So it wasn't easy to push the needle through the muscle and the skin. I had to go down to, like, a 25-gauge needle, which is super thick, to actually push it through the skin. Oh, my God. And there was so much oil in the syringe, and at the time, like, you think I'm wide now. Like, you should have seen me when I was on shit. I was super wide. So, picture your arm being stretched all the way over the top portion of your shoulder, and there's so much thick oil in the syringe that when you're pushing down your thumb, I'm almost cutting into my fingers because the oil won't go through the fucking syringe. It's very painful, that's my my body was like granite, so I'm freaking out, and I thought she was gonna almost knock knock the door open, but she just wanted to say goodnight, night, you know, and I pulled the fucking syringe out, and blood like Mount Vesuvius just started shooting at of me like a geyser, and oh she's and she's going, what are you doing in there? Why don't you say goodnight? night?' And I'm fucking bleeding like a fucking sprinkler head on a fucking Sunday morning. Oh, my Shit's God. Shit shooting all over my mirrors, all over my fucking rug. And I'm fucking having a heart attack. I'm like, get the f-, and, I'm, and I started yelling at my mom and cursing at her right. to get the fuck away from me. So I didn't, see, I didn't want her to see what the hell I was doing. Right. That's all she needed to see was that shit. Right. So I call up, I call up the person I was talking about before. And he's like laughing. He's like, oh, that, that finally happened to you? Oh, I'm geez. like, oh, I'm like, thanks for fucking giving me a heads up, jerk off, you know, right. So between him almost dying from that, my conversation with her before she passed, asking me to stop and telling me to stop, and then an- another guy, he's um, name is Russell. I don't, I don't know if he's alive or not, but I had met him in another gym, and Russell actually used to be featured in the original muscle mag magazines i'm talking about from the days of the menser brothers like he God. trained with the mensers he trained with arnold he trained with Ferrigno, all those guys serge newbray like he knew all of them and um you know the the reason why i always admired him and listened to him aside from who he was in the bodybuilding community from his era whenever he spoke to me he never really told me what to do, but he always offered me good, solid advice.
2: He didn't talk at you. He talked to you.
0: Yeah, exactly. He talked with me, and that's what he never yelled. He talked. So I always kind of like listened to him, because if you start yelling at me and talking at me, one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to get like, your teeth knocked out, we're fighting, or there's going to be some kind of screaming involved, because I don't like that shit. And I think that he he took the time and offered me certain advice, because- he saw me walking a path that he used to walk, and he would tell me about all his injuries and why he would think X, Y, and Z happened to him health-wise. And I would, you know, I wouldn't sugarcoat shit. He'd like, you know, he would ask me, "Some, you know, James, what are you taking?" I would tell him, "I'm taking this. I'm doing this. I'm putting it here. I'm doing it." Jesus Christ, James, you're taking that much stuff, man. You're 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 a big kid. You don't need that much stuff. Nah, but you don't understand. Like, I want to win this show. You you know me, bro. Right. I'm balls to the wall. I'm not going in there for second place. I ain't training for second place. I'm going in to not only win, but I'm going in to fucking hurt feelings and make people question about if they should ever get on stage again. That's just my personality. Right,
2: you wanted to dominate. And that's how I fight too. You wanted to dominate.
0: So between all his talks with me, my mother, and the other person that I was talking about in the past, those three people specifically with those three situations is what made me fall back and stop doing what I did. And when I stopped doing what I was doing, I did a cold turkey because I'm like a light switch. I'm either on or I'm off. Wow. And very disciplined. when I came off, I didn't come off with the proper drugs. Okay. Yeah. Because I was in the middle of a very heavy cycle and I had not purchased what I needed to do to come down and off of it. So I, I went through some severe, severe mental shit coming off all that stuff. I don't know why. I know a lot of people, a lot of people that go on the stuff and come off the stuff, they look like the before and after. You know, I, I definitely had, I, I, and I definitely had a certain frame already naturally built before I started taking all this shit. But for whatever reason, the size never really came off me. The strength really never happened for me. The way some people, like, they, they boast and they brag about, oh, my bench went up to 315. My bench went up to 405. I never had these tremendous gains in strength. My body, maybe what maybe should have took me 10 or 15 years to get to a certain look happened in two years. Wow. Like my body just matured physically.
2: That's insane.
0: And I never stopped training no matter what I was going through mentally or emotionally. I never stopped training and I never stopped eating the way I was eating.
2: So the gains stuck
0: even after that. They stayed for me, you know. But I knew people that that still trained and still ate, and, but the gains went away. For right. me, it didn't. Look, you always make fun of me about my traps. You know what I'm saying? Like, all this was already here. Yep. There that was a foundation in did, place. Did, this just sped up the process. Right. But after it sped up the process, it never really went away. Yep. Like, I still get it from time to time these days. Like, Yo, what are you taking, man? Yo, I'm not taking anything. I haven't taken anything since I was... 23 years old there you go you know so that's why i came off the stuff and then after my mother had passed and basically the family got wiped out in the last 15 20 years that's what kind of redirected my attention from not just training to look a certain way but also to be healthy on the inside Not, not function but actual healthy from the inside out and putting your body in an alkaline state and not not surviving, thriving in an alkaline state and not surviving in an acidic state. You know, um, I try to say things to you often because you you and I are very similar in a lot of ways, and in a lot of ways, you and I are very different. But what we are similar is we can be very stubborn with certain things, right? So I, I try to say things to you specifically at times, directly and indirectly, Hoping that you kind of listen to what I'm saying, because if i don't know what i'm talking about with something, I won't talk about it yep but when i'm when I know, I always when have you're something you're to on. interject, of course, you know, and I say certain things with you and about you and for you for for the longevity of your health because you're my boy, yep. at the end of the day, I fucking love and care about you, and I wish that you would take some of the things that I've tried to tell you over the years really just listen because a lot of times you don't. I think with some things you do, it kind of seeps in, but other things you're just so fucking stubborn, man. You don't want to listen, you know? And that's like a conversation we could have when the microphones are shut off. But there are things that I see that you do habits. You have things that you refuse to eat that I know that can really change your life for a million times better. Not even just the, I'm not, I'm not even talking about on the outside of, of a specific look, Yep, I'm talking about inside. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just know certain things. And information comes to me. Information comes to me in different ways. When that information comes to me, also I get what to do to help that problem or resolve that issue.
2: You got to share it. Yeah. The inclination is there. Yeah. Gotcha. So
0: that's kind of how... And there's something else that I do with the personal training that I'm not going to share on here that really helps me excel with resolving people's issues and changing their lives. But I won't talk about that because I'm not giving that up. That's not something. That's the secret sauce. That's not like an intuitive thing. That's something that I've been studying for a long time that I incorporate into that, which helps specifically for that individual. That's the secret sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's the ingredient in the sauce. There you go. Um and I don't mean the green sauce. <laughs>
2: the other the other thing I wanted to go into before we we wrap things up. Um I wanted to talk a little bit about the sneaker game. Okay. And the reason I wanted to talk about it is because you know in 2018 now it's become a source of income for so many young people. Absolutely. Um you know this turned into such a niche thing and now you have 12, 13, 14 year old kids Buying their first sneaker, flipping their first sneakers, and now some of them have built empires out of this. Right. And I want to kind of dissect it a little bit with you because you were involved in it when it was still its own culture when it hadn't mainstreamed. Like now, you know, even even the news knows about the reseller market. And right. And right. That. Right. Like it's
0: it's because subculture became pop culture, yes, like it did with our comics.
2: Absolutely and I wanted to talk about that because that was a, a you know an entrepreneurial endeavor that you did and you excelled at and then much like we were talking about with the fitness you were like all right that's it for me I'm out right so I want to I want to discuss that because that's something that you know it's it's again another another aspect of who you are what what got you into that into that industry to want to monetize it and and make Make it a, a source of revenue for you.
0: And just real quick, I'm not going to change the topic. I'm not going to change the topic, and I'm not going to dwell on this. But what you said, like, oh, I'm out in the fitness. I was out as far as bodybuilding was right, concerned, right? But not, but not fitness. Right, I right, actually got correct. more into fitness. Yes,
2: you were out. You were out in that in that capacity. Yeah. Right.
0: Um. So you want to know why I got out of it or how I got into it?
2: I want to know for, first why you why you got into it because that's that's actually. A great story and i think it will help others that are kind of either circling around wanting to jump into this now you know because everybody thinks that it's this giant cash cow when it's kind of not anymore
0: why did i get into it yep growing up i'm not going to say we were poor because there was food on the table clothes on our back and a roof over our head right but there was no room for extra i mean legitimately I know no that. no room for extra we had the bare minimum my brother slept on a pull-out couch bed. I had if you want to consider it, a bedroom that wasn't even a fraction of the size of a walk-in closet. Needless to say, the kids in the area always had these sneakers, Nike specifically, and I could never, like I'll never forget the first time I actually saw a pair of Air Jordans. There was these brothers that lived down the block from us, these two Italian kids, and their parents like were on the younger side, so they were very much into the fashion and, and I guess giving their kids whatever it is that they wanted at the time. So I always wanted like a pair of... Not even a pair of Jord- like I always wanted a pair of Jordans, but I always wanted just a pair of Nikes. Right. That wasn't happening in my house. My shit was from Tom McGann, Pro Keds. Bl- blue, Blue <laughs> canvas high tops with white rubber tips on the on, on, on by the, the front, toes yep. looking like bozo the fucking clown and i hated it i hated it man because the kids made fun of me and i looked like dog shit and i felt like dog shit it was even worse because the little bit of extra money my parents scraped up they sent us to private school and in private school there wasn't gym class there was gym day and gym day consisted of wearing a gym outfit which was maroon. Fucking maroon sweatshirt, maroon fucking sweatpants, yep. and blue pro cads. Literally fucking walking to the school bus stop looking like Krusty the fucking clown from the fucking Simpsons. Oh man. It was horrible, bro. Like I hated that shit. I dreaded every fucking gym day. And I loved gym class, but I just couldn't I couldn't get into it. I hated it. So fast forward, you know, uh twenty something years later, I, I moved back solo back to New York. And I was already, I I had that mentality instilled in me. Like I would never pay more than $100 for a pair of sneakers in my mind at that time. That was absurd to
2: think. It feels like it was yesterday that the sneakers were a hundred dollars. Like, well, I specifically
0: remember one of my cousins who's, you know, his parents were extremely wealthy. Everybody was talked about the air Jordans the air Jordans, right? Well, But cats don't know who are younger. The most expensive sneaker at that time, and I only knew one person that physically had them was my cousin. Was the Reebok pumps? That's right. Their their commercials say, you know, you know, they're making fun of Nike. You know, air it out. But meanwhile, with Reebok, you pump it up. Yep. And they were one hundred and fifty dollars. I'll never forget it. Yep. My cousin had them, so you know, of course, I wanted them because my older, cooler cousin had them. But that was not happening at my house. Forget about Jordans. I couldn't even get a pair of Nikes. That was out of the, not even a pair of Nikes. So <clears throat> I ended up making like my Holy Communion or, or something where I got money and I took the money from, my mother had it stashed away to put it away for me, but I went and took my own money. I stole my own money <laughs> and I went to that Tom Can that was the least to get that shitty pro heads from, but they also sold Nikes there. And the first pair of Nikes ever bought were a pair of Andre Agassi's. Okay. Don't even ask me why the fuck I bought those dumbass looking sneakers. It was the white ones with the pink and the black. The ones that they retroed a few times these last past 10 years. Yep. And I remember coming home with them shits and my mother went ballistic on me. You spent how much? I think they were like $110 with like the tax. Oh, man. And dragged me back by my fucking hair to return them. So I was like, I had it in my head. In my head, bro, I couldn't get it out from that moment. One day.
2: One day when I have the money.
0: I'm going to fucking have a pair of Nikes. Yep. So I end up moving back here from Florida.
2: 300 pairs later.
0: And my, my <laughs> yeah, 3,000 3, pairs later, like a fucking maniac. You know, the coolest pair of sneakers that I ended up finally breaking my parents down and getting with feelers. And when we used to go back and forth from New York to Florida, we would always stop in the, in the um... Whatchamacallits, the um, outlets. The outlets in Pennsylvania. And they had a Fila outlet in Pennsylvania and the F thirteens. To me, they were dope as fuck. You know, I-, I know everyone was like into the uh the Air Force ones with the straps, the high tops. That's what all the drug dealers wore. Yep. The uptowns, the all white uptowns. Yep. But I not not just I had because a they
2: canvas uptowns, they were blue and orange like Nick colors exactly. And the strap would I I have the strap hanging
0: backwards right, like yeah, a hoop. hanging down. Yep. But I didn't I didn't care about them. I, I I legitimately liked the feelers, so it was never a problem because I'm like, yo, we're going to the outlets. I'm going to get these F13s, and I had them in every color. I had them the original white ones with the the red portion on the bottom of the F their symbol right, and the top of it. No, the top of it was red, and the bottom was blue. And a lot of people don't know this. The reason why the Fila F symbol, the top was red of the F and the bottom was blue, because at the time, Fila was an Italian-based company of Italy. Right. And it represented, it was the artistic depiction representing the Mediterranean Sea and the sun. The sun was represented wow. with the red, and okay. the red on the top of the F sat over the blue of the bottom because the Mediterranean Sea was the blue, and the top of the F was the red, which stood for the sun. That's crazy. Yeah, a lot of people don't know something, that.
2: Yeah, learn something new.
0: I'm a maniac. You know me. I get into it. I get into <laughs> it all the way. There you go. So I used to get the F-13s. I had them in the black. I had them in the red. I had them in the blue. I had them in the white. I had fucking black suede joints. Like I had them all. Whatever, whatever. Speed it up. Moved back to New York. I got my feel of F-13s. I'm working at this fucking bank. Become friendly with this kid, Scott, who was like a sneaker junkie. And my eye caught attention to what he was wearing and what he was wearing were air max nineties. So I'm like, yo, those look pretty crazy. I'm like, yo, how much are those? And I think at the time, the air max nineties were like $65. I'm like, $65. I ain't paying no 65, no fucking sneakers, you know, because I was still going to the outlets and buying those F 13s. And I know spots in Brooklyn and Queens, I was getting them for like 25 and 30 bucks. I didn't see spending double the money. Plus at the time, I really had just started working a full-time gig and wasn't trying to spend that type of dough. Of my fucking car insurance was like almost four thousand dollars for just liability at the time practically working just to drive that's it you know so he tells me how much they were and i'm like damn man i can't afford that right so and then every day he would come home with like a different color pair so he's making me like fucking crazy Uh-oh. needless to say there's a spot around the way that had opened up and i mosey on in there one day and Keep in mind, I'm, I really don't know about the sneaker culture like that as far as, like, like I knew what I liked, but I didn't know, like, specific models and makes and I didn't know the names of shit and the nicknames of things. That the, it wasn't on my radar yet. Right. So I walk into this joint, and, you know, it's like the typical Indian spot in New York. Indian family owns the, the sneaker, the local sneaker spot, blah, blah, blah. And I walk yep. in because in the window, I was window shopping, I see in the window they fucking retroed. The original Ken Griffey Juniors. Oh man, I'm talking that blue with that black check. Yep. With that with that lime green Nike bubble. Absolutely. You know which ones I'm talking about with yes, that sir. with that with that neoprene sock liner. Yep. And at the time, I didn't, I didn't even know that Ken Griffey really to tell you the truth, but they always reminded me. I don't know why because they looked nothing like them, but they always reminded me of the Air Mags that Michael J. Fox wore in Back to the Future.
1: Ah, okay. So
0: I walked into the store. And I pick them up and right away they start their rap. And I'm like, well, how much are these? And they were $185, which at the time Ooh, yep. was a few bucks above retail because apparently these things had sold out everywhere.
1: Oh, geez. So I'm like,
0: how much? I'm like, I just put them right back. I'm like, nah. But from the second I walked out of the store, they were on my mind. I was like, yo, I've never done this before, but I'm going to fucking break and I'm going to get these damn sneakers. And I went everywhere looking for these things trying to get them cheap because i knew they they were charging above retail right everybody was sold out everywhere that i knew of at the time in my size in that particular model so i went back and i bought the last fucking size that they had for that sneaker and that set it off from that point on it was open season it was it it got bad man because i couldn't i couldn't financially afford what i wanted but I figured out a way how. Okay. I figured out how to do it at the time. It started off on Jamaica Avenue. Oh boy. Right. Down by the Coliseum. Yep. I would go where no white man's supposed to go, <laughs> you know? Yep. And I would go up there with cash. I knew I was taking a chance, risking my life, getting robbed, bah, 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 bah. but if you came correct and you spoke the right, and you, you talked the right talk, you know, a pair of Jordans, could you know, come down in price significantly. Absolutely. Especially if you kept that business coming. So, you know, I'd start my rap because I speak that street shit too. And, you know I can go from being articulate to talking the done language. A lot of people don't understand that. And I would come out of there and start off with like a pair. Right. And I buy them for X amount of dollars and then I'd sell them for X amount of dollars and go back and get the next pair. And then eventually i would be buying two pairs and then three pairs. Right. Next thing you know, I'm building relationships Yada, yada, yada. I'm going into malls. I'm doing the shit with them. I'm paying managers. I'm paying this one. I'm paying that one. I'm handing money. It's kind of like what I did with the Marvel legends. Uh,
2: you beat me to it. I was about to say, ah, the, the you've been are... around me when I did, Absolutely. when I've done that. Absolutely. So, you
0: know, I'm, I'm putting cash in the right people's hands. And next thing you know, time's going on, time's going on, time's going on. Now it's getting to the point where it's like, yo, we just got the shipment in Jay, Why don't you come down and come take what you need? Man, you know what I mean? Not
2: a bad problem to have, <laughs> right?
0: So, because that's just how it is. Uh, I'm, you know, it takes money to make money, a hundred percent. And then, and then I discover Flight Club. Oh boy, then I discover Flight Club. I'm not talking about the Flight Club that's on Broadway. Nope. I'm talking about one. the Flight Club that was on fucking Green Street, right down by Washington Square Park, the hole in the wall that opened up because it was originally an online company. Yep. And I just happened to know that the cat who owns Flight Club, was from one of my neighborhoods. And that was one of their original consigners. Wow. And over the years, Flight Club grew, and I grew. And your collection grew. And we grew together to the point where, I, listen, I remember consigning with Flight Club when you could walk in there and come to an agreement of what you were going to sell the sneaker for. Wow. N- not what they do now, where they right. dictate to you what it's going right. to sell yep. for. There's no, <laughs> there's no agreement. It's either you're going to do what they're going to what they want, or you're not doing it. Period. Right. That's the way it is now. So f- between Fly Club and word of mouth, and of course, I'm in the gym scene. So every day I'm wearing different sneakers,
2: which creates a buzz. Because heads now- notice
0: that. Heads notice that. You think people don't notice, but they notice. Of course. And it just that's the way it kind of snowballed. And it got to the point where a lot of people don't know this about me. I was one of, the original, <laughs> one of the original vendors for SneakerCon. And I helped build that show. Jeez. And from there, I went off and I got tired of their bullshit because I didn't like the direction they were going in. And the person that was running it really annoyed the shit out of me. We didn't get along personality-wise. He was a fucking head case. And then I ended up helping, helping start up the, uh, the Long Island Sneaker Expo. Which was a huge success. I mean, retrospect, I turn around, I look how big SneakerCon became, became the world's biggest sneaker yeah. show. And you know, like, like, literally, I walked away from God knows how much money, but I just lost my stomach with the kind of people I was dealing with. Right. So that's basically how and why I got into sneakers. It all basically started because I didn't have nothing, I wanted something, and I had to figure out a way how to get something without doing anything illegal. Nice. You know, and, and that's how it went down, man.
2: And to to close that to close that out, um, why'd you why'd you stop?
0: Um <clears throat> I stopped because it became played out to me. Okay. Um I I don't do it on purpose, but I tend to gravitate towards subculture things. I'm a quirky person, I like quirky things, like off things, I like obscure characters and comics, I like weird shit in sneakers, weird colors where maybe like the standard Conventional nine to five, or like what the fuck are you wearing? Like that's some weird, crazy shit. And you'll even say things like this to me: "Yo, James, I can't wear something like that. Only, only you could pull that off." Yep, right? You say that to me
2: more times than I than I can count.
0: So all those quirky, weird things that I was into—not because I was trying to look cool, because I was just into it—became the standard. Became the yep, the subculture I was into became pop culture. And you know, when I'm waiting on a sneaker line, and I see like a 15 year old kid's mom with him yep. wearing like I'm a sneakerhead shirt. It just turned my guts, turned my stomach on top of the fact that everything that I was seeing that was being manufactured. I already seen 20 million times like that record was already played. Right. I was seeing colorways, what they call colorways, color blocking on like an Amex Nine that I had like 10 years ago that they were regurgitating on a different Nike model and people going ballistic over it. So, I, I just, I lost my passion and my desire for sneaker collecting and sneaker selling because it just became corny to me. So like people still to this day, they'll still hit me up for shit and I can still get stuff and I still dabble dabbling with here and there because I made strong, strong, strong connections over the years. Right. I made people a lot of fucking money over so the years. So you keep the
2: lines of communication open.
0: Yeah, yeah. I made people, but at the end of the day, man, I made people a lot of money. And listen, I'm, I'm, Listen, I'm good at making money. I am. I'm good at making money. I'm good at figuring out how to make money. I just am. It's just one of those things, part of my my it factor. But I'm good at spending it. <laughs> I am good at spending it. That's that's the fucking problem. I'm good at I'm good at making it. I need to be better at keeping it. But living in New York, it's hard to do that.
2: Absolutely.
0: So that's why I inevitably stopped because it became coin in to me. Too many people involved. I I never really did it for the attention, although I got a lot, no matter where I go, I would always get, yo, where'd you get those? Yo, those are crazy, man. I've never seen anything like that, or some shit that I would pick up from like a Nike outlet that nobody would be paying attention to. But the way I rocked it on my feet with the outfit I was wearing, they were like, "Yo, what, what, yo, what are those, man?" Like they always thought I was wearing some like next level shit. Meanwhile, I'm like, "Yo, motherfucker, I just spent like twenty five dollars on this pair from a Nike outlet." Y'all just don't have the vision to see how to rock the laces a certain way with certain outfits. And what what somebody might consider a a gym sneaker, I was I was rocking. You know what I'm saying? Just for fashion and for fun. So once once it became a mainstream thing, it just took the wind out of my sails. And that's why I dipped off. Not because of I was making less money. Nope. The market was saturated. I lost my drive. Okay. I lost my drive and my passion and my love for sneakers. And to tell you the truth, I had no interest in buying anymore. Because like I said, they were regurgitating so many colorways. Listen, I sold a good Portion of my sneaker collection, specifically Jordans. I hate them now, right? So they were like they were like trophy pieces to me. I hate them now. I still have so many sneakers that I can wear a pair each day. Over a year without having to wear the same pair twice.
2: I can attest to that. I have seen some of that and he is 100%. And you
0: literally seen an inkling actual. of what I had. When I break shit out sometimes, every now and then you'll come over and be like, yo, you want to see? And I'll bring out like 15, 20 pairs and your jaw just opens up like, holy shit. I can't believe I'm seeing that right now. I've seen that online. I've seen that in magazines. How the fuck do you have that? Yep,
2: 100%. You know? I think. um before we jump into into the hot seat portion of the show, uh, you know, going back to what we were saying before about reach one, teach one. Um, if somebody wanted to get into fitness, just in general, just in right. general. Now, what water, do you mean?
0: What do you mean fitness? Like anything specifically? Because fitness can be a, no, no, a no. multitude I, of what things. What I mean is,
2: if if a young kid just wanted to hit the weights, you know, just get in shape, right? And and they asked you what's one piece of advice you'd give them?
0: What's one piece of advice I would give them if they want to start getting into hitting the weights? Yep. Don't, definitely do not try, because this is something that I did. When I first walked into my first gym, I would basically look, I was very it was very intimidating because I went to a, a hardcore juice head gym domi- dominated by Italians who were very aggressive. Oh, jeez! And th- to me, they just look like, they look like incredible hulks all walking around so whatever they did i would do mm-hmm. whatever exercise they were doing i would try and copy them and emulate them right meanwhile they didn't know what the fuck they were doing i come to figure out they were taking a lot of drugs and they had pretty good genetics so they looked a certain way so my the best advice i can give to a a, a young person that's starting out and wants to look a certain way and has aspirations of goals of a certain vision of how they want to look in the near future, don't assume because somebody looks a specific way that they actually know what they're talking about. The best advice I could give you is read, 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 whether it's online or I prefer tangible books. If you really want to understand and learn
1: what's a book, you recommend human
0: ph- physiology and body mechanics and nutrition. You can read anything by Chris Acido, and you spell his name You know, Chris, C-H-R-I-S, last name Aceto, A-C, as in cat, E-T, as in Thomas, O. Now, Chris Aceto is one of the world's top nutritionists. He's written a plethora of books on bodybuilding, on weight training, on nutrition. He used to be a competitive bodybuilder. A lot of people don't know this. He is the nutritionist that got Jay Cutler into the Mr. Olympia position. Wow. So between Chris Acedo books, and he, he writes his books where you don't have to know the technical jargon to understand. He really writes them in, in, layman's, in terms. layman's terms to where you can really understand at a good pace. I'd say devour as many Chris Oceto books as possible, and also, I was very fortunate. I There was once-a-time-in-my-life where I got to train with Charles Glass. Nice. And I've took a lot of lectures and courses with him. And train with him out in Vegas and yada yada yada, but if you don't have the um, the means to direct contact with with Charles Glass, um, there's YouTube. YouTube is your. You friend. could go on YouTube and type in Charles Glass and yep. watch videos because he has once again he's a very different type of trainer, very instinctual. There's different awkward movements. I've learned so much from him and so much from reading Chris Aceto books. So. I'd say definitely do your homework and aspect. And I know a lot of it's like, oh, the physical, the physical, but you, you you need to really read these books and watch these videos because when it comes together and then one day it may it may not it may not work for you at first. Everything may seem awkward and I it was told to me and I'm gonna tell it to you. One day it'll just click when you make that mind body connection. Yep. That mind once you make that mind body connection and you have those two things flowing and vibrating on the same frequency you're going to see major strides and gains in your physical presentation
2: nice and on the uh, on the on the sneaker side do you still would you still recommend if a if a kid wanted to get into it to to do that,
0: I think if it's something that piques your interest and in, something that that you really enjoy, Is it still
2: viable? Do you feel for for, for a kid starting? Like that at? all
0: that all depends on the person. Okay, and just because it's not viable viable for me anymore doesn't mean look, I'm not I'm not 13 years old no more. I'm not right. 15 years old. I've been there and done that. Right, but for a 15 year old, a 13 year old, 10 a year old, nine a year old, whatever, like if that piques your curiosity and that's what gets your blood pumping and that's what you're passionate about and that's what you constantly and it's cons- a good start. consumes your mind. Then I'll absolutely go for it. And just because the market is saturated doesn't mean you can't figure out a way to to carve out your niche in that in that portion of the world.
2: Gotcha. I think that I think that's a good way to to segue into into the hot seat uh, series of little rapid fire stuff I like to throw out to the guests. Um I think I think we can uh start I I figure we we'll, we'll dip into some of the stuff that you're a fan of. So you talked about competitive bodybuilding, Um, most influential competitive bodybuilder for you.
0: Wow, that's a tough question. That's a really hard question for me, man. Who's the most influential? Sean Ray. Okay, why? Sean Ray's physique is not my physique. He's not somebody that I identify with from a physical standpoint. I always identified more with like, the Nasa Elson bodies, and the Marcus Rules, the bigger, thicker, freakier, really just hulking figures, really that comic book look. Not that Sean didn't have that, but Sean Ray was on a very short side. I believe Sean was, oh, I want to say he was around between 5'4 and 5'6. His competitive weight was roughly around 215 pounds, competing against guys who were, Five ten, five eleven, six foot, six foot four, two seventy five, three hundred pounds, and beating them. That always showed me how much more quality muscle he had than his larger competitors on stage. And not only to me which was, was Sean's physique something that I know I can never obtain because I didn't have those specific genetics. I didn't have that frame, I didn't have that look, I didn't have his muscle bellies. But Sean is so fucking smart. He understood so much more than just like the average bodybuilder. He was just different. And he was also very outspoken, which is why he used to get blackballed a lot in his placements because he wouldn't sit there and literally physically lick the balls of certain judges and kiss their asses. He'd be very outspoken why they placed him as low as they did in certain shows or why he didn't win a specific show. He would speak his mind. And I like whether I agree with what he was saying all the time or not. I like the fact that he he was man enough to to be who he was, you know, so between his his outspoken mentality and sticking up for himself is really what he was doing, speaking his mind sticking up for himself, the intelligent fact that it went behind his finished product, which was his look. I mean he knew so much when it came to nutrition, why to eat certain things and when to eat certain things and why you were eating certain things at certain times down to specifically performing exercises a certain way. I see a lot of pro bodybuilders still to this day who have incredible physiques and don't know how to fucking train. It's just because they have the genetics. It's kind of like my old training partner, Ed. That motherfucker would wake up, drink a quarter water and a bag of Cool Ranch Doritos, had a 32-inch waist, and was literally built like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Am I lying? Nope. He was ridiculous. He was a physical specimen and a half. But Sean just didn't have the physical. He had the intelligence behind it. And he was the giant killer. He had the aptitude To me, he was the giant killer. To me, he's the greatest bodybuilder in the history of professional bodybuilding. And he never won the Mr. Olympia. But to me, he was always the uncrowned Mr. Olympia. So he's my favorite of all time. He's the one I admired the most, even though I knew I I could look nothing like him. He, I, I, I got a lot of inspiration and a lot of drive for him. And Whenever he trained for a show, and this is another thing I loved about him, he goes, I'm not training to be second, third, fourth, or fifth. Why the hell am I getting on? I always train to be number one. Always train to be number one. And I yeah, love right. that mentality. And I, I have, I've met him a bunch of times. We've actually gotten along really well, which is really weird. We still talk to each other to this day on Instagram. We, I don't follow him. He doesn't follow me, but we talk and DM from time to time. And I have his first book he ever written that he wrote to me. It's so funny. I'll show you one day he signed it to me and wrote "Big James" on it. Oh, I said, "You calling me fucking big?" I was a baby at the time. I was in my twenties. Right. But he told me that I had potential to go far in bodybuilding. That's pretty crazy. And coming from his mouth, that was like That's I don't know if he was just being nice to me. Cloud nine. But yeah, I was on Cloud Nine at the time. So,
2: so you know that we we you know we've deconstructed a lot of the 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 business that you do um a secret to to Jimbo's success of all things is that Jimbo does a lot of his business analog. There's no no fancy equipment. The most powerful device is the device in his pocket. 100%. Which is the almighty phone. What yeah. phone is that? An iPhone. That's it. But not a regular uh, the run of the mill is the iPhone SE. Yeah. Which many people are shedding tears because apple discontinued it Mm -hmm. so you know um it was it was it's jimbo's end all be all he conducts all his business with it it is a his piece of hardware that gets the job done it's his source of entertainment um when you turn on your phone every day what are what are the what's the where's the first place you go
0: um check emails yep social media direct messages you know stuff of that nature Um, maybe go on youtube maybe i'm reading an article it depends on my mood when i wake up and what i feel like getting into it first because i'm not exactly a i don't enjoy waking up i'm one of those slow crawlers you know (laughs) right but it depends on my mood that day or what i have to get done
2: right now with that said what's your what's a favorite besides your your phone obviously what's one piece of tech that you appreciate and enjoy besides your phone
0: (laughs) my fucking truck
2: there you go
0: (laughs) <laughs> the four wheels beats two heels
2: that's it and um the thing about it is you know when when we talk about this stuff you know toys and tech it's not just the action figures you buy or whatever you know that's it's big boys toys you know and the truck is definitely a valid
0: valid well, just because like the same thing that i hate about all these new vehicles is the same thing that i love about them i don't like the new technology comforts you, you can't you can't work on them anymore you have to have like m- Millions of dollars worth of fucking electronic equipment and computers yep. that to 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 run and analyze what's wrong before you can even fix it, and then the whole tools is another thing, so I can't even work on these things anymore, but I remember when I bought one of one of my new trucks that um <laughs> I was fucking going crazy at the dealership I'm like, yo where yo I'm like looking behind the screen i'm like where's the c d player Oh, uh, no, sir. We don't. Th- these new vehicles don't come with CD plays anymore. I remember I'm that Like, what are you call. talking about? I'm like, I need a CD player. Am I supposed to listen to my music? Oh, you have the USB port or you can use an iPod? I'm like, I don't own an iPod, you know? And I went crazy. Yep. But it went from going, because, you know, crazy to, you the know, norm. I, when I realized, because, you know, I, sometimes I, I tend to be stubborn and I, I don't like change unless I'm the one initiating it. I went from. Scrambling at the red light to swapping out the CDs to trying to put them back in the in the CD case without scratching the CDs oh, to the point where I was driving you crazy because I don't want to use any of my original CDs and ch- chance scratching them. Yep. So we were making Copy. me mix CDs and yep. copies. Mixed I'm like, all right, you know these these copies get scratched. Who gives a fuck? That's it. You know, but everything got compressed into a flash drive, which gets plugged into one of the trucks that I'm driving, and my entire music library is on that and, with and that, music is very important to me
2: well that takes me into the next question uh if you're in the gym what's playing
0: depends on my mood again uh, i could be listening to underground hip-hop i can be listening to 90s hip-hop i could be listening to frank sinatra i could be listening to metallica guns and roses depends on my mood you know whatever strikes me at the time
2: that's a that that's a nice eclectic mix, and that was the answer. I, I, I could was be
0: listening to for. Nine Inch Nine Inch Nails. There you go. I could be listening to Johnny Cash. You know,
2: you know, one of the things we and and I like to throw this question out, and a lot of people have differing answers with this. What's something you've purchased recently that is less than a hundred dollars that has either made your life easier or just made you happy? Less than a hundred.
0: Less than a hundred bucks.
2: Yes, sir. Could be anything
0: i've i've actually there's been a bunch of purchases lately that were less than a hundred dollars
2: um you rattle off more than one but they are less than they bring they made you happy obviously
0: yeah no absolutely something happened the other day what the hell was it i I spent five bucks on something
1: okay and i don't remember what the hell it
0: was (laughs) i remember saying to the person i'm like can you believe i only paid five dollars for this this is crazy Oh man, Jeez, I can't even remember what the hell it was, man. It's making me insane right now. Um, shit, shit, shit! This is really pissing me off. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I was at a, I was at a uh, an art convention not that long ago called Imbion Con, and at the main table, they were selling artists like random artists' work, right? And the pieces that they had there were freaking phenomenal. I was allowed to pick. I believe, three pieces of artwork for $10. Wow. Okay. Remember that Red Hood I showed you? Yes. That Mr. Freeze and whatever else. That Batman Moon Knight. I'm sorry. I believe it was four pieces for $10. Wow. I bought those four pieces for 10 bucks from that show. That's insane. The Moon Knight, the Red Hood, and I forgot what the other two pieces were. All the one piece was for Tess, that Superman and I got myself the Punisher one where it says the city is mine when he's overlooking right. the city skyline. Yep. So I got those four pieces of artwork, one which I gave to my buddy Tess, a.k.a. Star Socks, <laughs> um, for $10.
2: Nice. So, obviously, can't be toys and tech without talking about some toys. Uh, favorite toy from your childhood?
0: Oh, you gotta be fucking kidding me.
2: <laughs>
0: fucking bastard. <laughs> wow. All right, I, I, I can't give you a favorite, yeah. You could just, but pick- I can give you some of my favorites. Shoot, that, that works. And I'm staring right at them on your wall with the artwork you have. One of my absolute favorite toys with the Transformers line, specifically two two specific characters: Grimlock. I loved him, even though I didn't own him. My asshole brother had him. And Optimus Prime. Oh, and fucking Soundwave and Starscream. Yep, I love those. The Thundercats line. I actually I think I like Panthro more than I like Lionel. I love Panthro. G. I. Joes I had zero interest in collecting the Joes. I was all about Cobra. I always wanted Sepentor, I never owned him. He was tough with I the I always wanted sledge. the Galobulus, but the one I wanted the most was Nemesis Enforcer. Yep. Nemesis Enforcer was my dude and I collected all of the um what were they called? All the different cobra guys. There was like different.
2: Yeah, the bats. No, which but were... there was
0: a name for all these things. The one was a diving one. It looked like he was wearing like an eel mask with the flippers. Right, right, right. One there was a there was a name for. Him. I can't believe you don't of above no, all not... people know this. Name. Like
2: I know, I know, I knew the bats because they did a bunch of different bats, which you know B dot A.
0: Then like Zartan. Yeah, those were the, and dreadnoughts. the dreadnoughts. Yeah, those. Were but dreadnoughts. but there was specific. There was a name. It was a like a name across the board, and it would be like this one and that one. I forget the name. Oh, one. like
2: Alley Viper, Vipers. Vipers,
0: right? Like like those. Right. Like I collected those. I love that shit. Gotcha. Um, I was big into these toys called the Sky Commandos. Oh yeah, I remember those. I love Mask. Mask was awesome. You know anything superhero related when I was little? Little, I have a picture when I was I want to say three years old, maybe four. I had them in my hand, my birthday cake. I'll show you this picture, me holding. An Incredible Hulk Mego doll. Oh, wow. With the purple pants. I had him from when I was a little, little boy. And I don't know what the fuck happened. I have most of my toys from when I was a kid still. But uh, somehow the Mego dolls went MIA. I don't know what happened to them. I have not a clue. And someone who you knew. You actually made a comeback. Somebody who you knew who I lived with at the time who I was dating. I always talked about that toy when I met her. And she went out. I forgot what birthday it was, and she bought it for me in the package, which I still have to this day. Nice. Yeah. So, anything pretty much superhero related, um, you know, different 80s cartoons. And also, I have to say, I, I can't talk about my, my childhood toys without bringing up the original NES. I, I love the original NES. Me and my brother had to share it and split it, and I never thought we'd actually get it. And I don't know if it's considered a toy, but it definitely is. My Mongoose Expert BMX bike.
2: Oh, wow. Okay.
0: Yeah. So those are a few of my favorite things as far as toys would go.
2: Nice. Now bringing it from the past to the present. Favorite toy and collectible you own now?
0: Shit. Favorite toy and collectible I own now. Favorite
2: toy and/or collectible you own. Wow, man.
0: That's so tough, man. Like my statue collection, you know?
2: Some impressive pieces in there, boy. Yeah, Ooh. I you know they're all
0: put away in a safe yep. place, but they're not on display anymore. I'm tired of dusting them, but definitely my statue collection. I think, mm, I'd say one of my absolute favorite pieces was my my Randy Bowen Green Goblin.
2: Beautiful piece. Uh,
0: I, that that piece is just like phenomenal. I always had a thing with the Green Goblin, so um yeah, that's that's probably one of my absolute favorites. Nice. You know, um I have a I have a lot of. A lot, a lot of nice pieces in my collection. I stopped collecting, and I also I have to say, my entire collection of the original Toy Biz Marvel Legends. I'm only missing seven from the original Toy Biz line. Those were those were some amazing. I, I, figures. And, you know what? And they've come down in price a lot. The one, the seven that I am missing, to the point where I think I may try and track them down try and because the they set. were they were they were just they got to a point where there was so much money. Not that I couldn't afford it, I just could not see parting. With, with $150 kind of for the stealth suit the Iron yep. Iron Man. 100%. You know, I just couldn't do it. Nice. But yeah, my, my original Toy Biz, Marvel Legends, and my and my statue collection, as far as toys and collectibles are concerned.
2: Nice. All right. Well, with that, Jimbo is off the hot seat. With that said, where can people find you and keep up with your work?
0: You can't. <laughs> you, you can't find me, and <laughs> you're not going to keep up with me. Um, I am not the gingerbread man, but I run faster, believe me than you can. <laughs> but if you if you want to check me out as far as social media is concerned, you know, it's uh Jimbo Slice, J I M B O underscore S L Y. Like why is this happening? I C E Slice. There Jimbo underscore slice. That's it. And like I said, you 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 may think that you're uh Seeing what you're seeing, but trust me, you're not.
2: <laughs> there you go. and of Interpret course, that however you like. And last but not least, of course, you can catch Jimbo Slice and yours truly uh, hosting the Variant Issue on the Rageworks Network every two weeks. Uh, I want to thank Jimbo for taking the time to share the tech and toys that help him run his business, be productive, and just live a better life.
0: <laughs> Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it.
2: Thanks, brother. appreciate it. All right, that wraps up our interview with Jimbo Slice. As always, you can catch Jimbo and I on the variant issue released biweekly on the RageWorks Network, which you can find on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. In two weeks, another one of our very own take the stage for the next episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade as our very own Slick comes up to bat. Of course, we talk toys and we talk tech, not only the stuff that he uses to create content for RageWorks, but much more. As always, you can keep up with Rageworks on all the different social media outlets that are out there. I'm not going to rattle them off because most of them you already know. But I will say that if you are on Facebook, please take a moment and join the Rageworks group and interact with some of our fellow hosts as well as other fans of comics, tech, pop culture, and everything else that we cover. See you guys in two weeks. And as always, if you're interested in being a guest, On a future episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, drop me a line, rich at rageworks.net, or use the contact form on the site. All right, guys, thanks for listening, and thank you for all the kind words and continued support. We'll see you in two weeks. Peace.